have a fancy title or nothing, but we're going to go through here to Hebrews chapter 2, and um, I think the last time I preached on a Sunday night was right before we went down to Florida, and I started Hebrews 1 talking about angels. And my goal was to be in Hebrews chapter 10, chapter 11 by now, but my wife decided to put me into a health spot, so I apologize for that. <laughs> but uh, we'll look at this thing here, but I want to point out three things from Hebrews chapter 2. First of all, we're going to look at the importance of the message. Secondly, we'll look at the imminence of the message. And third, we'll look at the irrefutability of the message. That's right, they're alliterated. All right, so I went to Aaron's School of Alliter Alliteration. Dug deep and I found a thesaurus. But we're going to look at the first thing, the, the importance of the message. In chapter number two, he continues in, he continues of chapter one. Anytime you find the Bible, therefore, or wherefore, you've got to look back and find out why it's therefore. Well, why, is it, why is it speaking about therefore? Therefore is obviously a, conjunct, a conjunction of saying, hey, everything I just said, therefore. In conclusion, or this is what I find from that passage, chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing where, you know, where it comes about so great a cloud of witnesses. So it says, well, what, what great cloud was it? Well, go back to find the faith of witness, of faith in a person's life, what it does. Go back to chapter 11 and you find out the hall of faith. So you find those same things all throughout scripture. Therefore, you know, we conclude the man is not justified. We find um, Romans chapter 5 verse 1. There's another one. You find these different passages where it starts off with therefore, wherefore. Finding those, finding those verses that start off with those words, it just carries on to the next chapter. And again, I think we do a lot of damage when we go to our Bible studies that we think that a new chapter starts a new thought. Or a new book carries a new thought. Or a new, you know, new covenant changes a new thought. Aren't you glad that God's plan has always been from the beginning, whosoever will, getting saved? There's no dispensation. There's no change. It's always been whosoever will. And I think it's been, so I, I like this, what I like about the Bible. And I think we do a lot of damage when we go through chapters and verses and think paragraphs change the, per, change the flow of what's being said in the chapter. So when you're reading the Word of God, Try not reading chapters. Don't stop at a chapter. Oh, I read chapter 8 of Romans. Well, okay, we'll read chapter 7 of Romans, and then don't stop till you get to Romans chapter 12. And we read that whole section, because when we start, if, if you do it that way, you get to Romans chapter 9, 10, 11, and if you read it independently from the rest of the chapter, from the rest of the book, what do you get? Zionism. <laughs> you get Zionism if you read Romans chapter 9, 10, 11 all by itself. But if you read it in context of Romans, you don't get that. Well, partiality, God's partial election to just Israel. No, it's not the physical nation, it's the spiritual nation, it's the spiritual people. So anytime you come across that, don't stop at just don't stop at just a chapter mark. Don't stop at a verse mark or a paragraph mark. Read the entire thing. Having said that, it says in chapter two, verse one, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And this is the more, he tells us we need to give the more earnest heed, pay more, atten more attention to the message that's being said. Sydney? No. This, this, the, 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 wise, the wise thing is that when we hear a message, it's not to get stuck on the messenger. You know, oh, man, that messenger was just wonderful. Did you listen to the message? Did you pay attention to what was being said? John the Baptist, right? They love hearing John the Baptist because he was like a reed shaking the wind, right? And they like to hear what he had to say because he just put it out there. Elijah, just put it out there. This is how it's going to be. No questions to it. Elisha, 
Furious Hot is going to be no, no, no special flavor to it. Wow, what a messenger, what a messenger. Okay, great, but did you pay attention to the message? Well, Moses, what a great prophet. Great, did you pay attention to what Moses had said? Well, yeah, but Elijah, what a great, did you pay attention to what Elijah had to say? Well, you know, Abraham, what, did, you, did you pay attention to what the messenger had to say? And if you did, then you wouldn't have any problem with, the mess, with what the message was. You'd be, you'd be believing it. Jesus even said that. Look, you didn't come to me because of the words that I speak, but because of the miracles that I did, because of the bread and the loaves and the fishes. Even with Jesus, they said, we've never heard anyone speak like this man. The Bible says the disciples, the apostles, they speak as one having as, as people who had authority, but yet they were ignorant men that had been with Jesus. So don't get stuck on the mess on the messenger. Make sure we focus on the message. Now, having said that, in chapter one, who are the what who who is the messengers or who are the messengers that are being spoken about in chapter one? The angels. And how many times we get stuck on an angel? Oh, touched by an angel. Oh, I saw Michael Landon and Victor French and you know on a um, highway to heaven. Well, I just saw an angel. What? Get past that and get to actual what's being said. Don't get. I know it's really hard for you guys, but don't get enamored by the messenger. All right. Don't get enamored by this messenger that's just full of grace and beauty and talent and all. I mean, don't get. That's a joke. Laugh. Ha ha. But um, don't get stuck by the person delivering it. Pay attention to what's being said. I remember I, get, I used this illustration before. I don't know if you guys remember it or not. But when we were in New York, I was having a hard time on Sunday afternoons getting through to people. Because they would get tired. They would fall asleep. They were like, when I got to this point, they were falling asleep in church. And I remember one time I was like, I'm not letting them fall asleep tonight. I'm going to preach this message. And I just preached, hooped and hollered and screamed like a camp meeting preacher the entire Time. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, praise the Lord. Hey, praise God good. Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. And I just like preached like high level the entire time. Screaming, hooping, and hollering, just high energy, high monotone energy the entire time. When I got done, the teenager was like 12, 13 years old. He goes, That was awesome. You ought to preach like that all the time. And I'm like, Harley? Oh. My voice is shot. And I'm like, and I preached like, like 35, 45 minutes, and I'm like, done, man, I was toast. And uh, I said, what I preach on? He goes, I don't know, but it was great. <laughs> but you know, the same token is, you can get up there and preach an entire sermon. And the beginning was the word. And the, you know, you, you could preach a monotone message and you need the power of God either, right? So, so, so far too often we pay attention to the messenger and not to the message. Let's make sure we pay attention to the message. That's being spoken. I mean, that's why that's why Satan is so quick and easy to get in and twist things around because we're so enamored by his presence. Marvel not. Satan is transfigured as what? Isn't he, doesn't he come in his appearance as an angel of light? Doesn't he come across as that? And so many people are attached to that. But Paul said, that yet though we or any other angel from heaven or you know, anyone else speak any other any other gospel that when I preached unto you, let him be a curse. Don't get caught up by the things that we see, by the men, by the members, by the mesmerizing focus of the messenger. Pay attention to the message. Now, what is the message being spoken? Well, speaking about Christ, look at verse number two. And yeah, it's about the gospel. Yeah, we got to make sure we hear the word of God. We got to make sure we have the pure gospel. But the message isn't about the gospel right here. The message is about the brilliance, the supremacy of Christ. 
That's the message that we don't need to lose focus of. That's the message that we don't let slip. Look what it says in verse 2. For, because, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So, oh, see salvation right there. We have a great salvation. It's talking about soul salvation. That's the problem sometimes when we hear salvation, and we automatically think it's about soul salvation. Here it's talking about the disobedience that God pours upon, that God's pouring out, the disobedience of faulty um, of those you know, faulty servants, that you know, there's a judgment that God gives towards faulty servants, and it says He says, um, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. God also being uh, bearing witness, bearing them witness both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. For unto the angels um, hath He not put in subjection to the world come, wherefore we speak. So he's, he's, he's speaking about the supremacy of Christ, not just in the gospel, but the, the, that Christ is the focus of our worship. Look back in chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. You know that he maketh angels, spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire, but it says in verse 8, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. You know what? That's what we're supposed to do as well. Love righteousness and hate iniquity, right? Then it says here in verse number 9, Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Well, what fellows? Isn't Christ the firstborn? Or is it Christ the, he's the Son of God, right? He's not an angel. So what is the fellows he's speaking about? It says in verse number 10, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. The earth is going to perish, but you're going to be around forever. Hey, the things that you created, the heaven, moon, stars, all that's going to dissolve with fervent heat. It's gonna, they're going to fall from heaven. It's going to melt with fervent heat. All that you did is going to last forever. I mean, all, all that you are is going to last forever, but this stuff that you created, it's going gonna, it's gonna to melt away. This world, in all of its complexities, is going to melt away one day. Everything. The sun, the moon, the stars, things that people worship, that people idolize, that people chart their lives by, is going to dissolve. Stars are going to fall from heaven. All these things, people swear by angels. Oh, they're going to look for an angel. You know, always looking for some kind of an angel statue. Oh, someone dies. Oh, they're going to become a guardian angel. No, they don't. When a loved one dies, they don't become a guardian angel. When they die, they're absent of the body, present Lord, or they go to a devil's hell. One of the two places. They don't become an angel. Well, my grandma's my guardian angel. No, she's not. No, she's not. And that's what people get so tripped up. And and that's, by the way, that's kind of where people get in with the idea of saints, too. Like there's a Catholic doctrine pops in where they think that when a person dies, that's how they become saints. And they get confirmed the Catholic Church to become a saint. Well, the Bible says we're declared saints at salvation. Aren't you glad for that? Can you imagine that? Ben is a saint. Patient saint of lost soul. But it's like, you know, but he's a, he's a, you know, he's a saint. And we're, we're made, we're made holy. We're made to be saints in light because of what Christ did, right? But, but, um, that's a Mormon doctrine out there too. It's like, hey, Jesus became an, that Jesus became a God. Or that, hey, we become angels, that Jesus, you know, became an angel, and he's going to become God. No. 
Jesus doesn't become an angel. He is the angel of God. He is the capital A angel of God, but he's not an angel of the created being. So people get that all mixed up with that. And this is the more sure word of message. And the, the testimony of the heavens, the, the, there's a testimony of the heavens, but then there's a more sure word of prophecy that we do well to take heed to that message. You go to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter number 1. And it's interesting that Peter is addressing the same topic in a different light, but he's addressing the same thing with the same words. Now, people say, arguably, that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. And you want to argue on that? You want to die on that hill? Go right ahead and make that make, make it your stance in life. I don't believe that it was written by a person that, like, I don't believe the Hebrews was written by Paul. I believe it was something, someone that was that knew Paul that was influenced by Peter and Paul. Influenced by both of them, because the writing was that of a person who knew the law, that knew the sacraments, not the sacraments, excuse me, that knew the Old Testament practices, the ordinances, that's what I'm looking for, uh, the offerings and such, but yet he also knew the grace of God. So I believe that there was a, the person was well learned, but I believe it came from a person who, who um, refused to have his name mentioned in the writings. He didn't say who, was, who it was. I don't believe it was Peter, I don't believe it was Paul. Some people argue that it might have been Timothy. Some people say it might have been Barnabas. I don't know. It could have even been. It could have even been someone like John Mark. But whoever wrote it knew and had some understanding, had some uh, knowledge of, of the Old Testament, of, of, of the shadows of Christ, you know, shadows of what it did for Christ. But in the same passage, um, Peter's writing this, and he says in verse number nineteen, in verse number um, seventeen. For we received from God the Father um, honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the, in the holy mount. So he's saying the same thing he said in chapter uh, 2 of Hebrews. The same, the same things are being said. We heard from the people that we heard, that we heard from. And then it says in verse number 19, we also have a more sure word of prophecy Whereunto you do well that you what? Take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day of dawn, and the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing that, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For this prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but by but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So he says here that we have to take heed to this, and the more sure word that we have is not found in the heavens, it's not found in the sun, moon, and stars, or in the heavenly host, we find it within the word of God. That's why it's so important to know the Bible is true, to understand, believe that the Bible is true. And you can't just simply say, well, I believe the Bible is true in any form. We know the word of God is true within the King James Version. Amen? We know for sure the King James is true because it's accurate, it's proven, it's reliable, it's trustworthy. It's given by God. And so when we have this more sure word of prophecy, we do well to take heed to it, but how do we take heed to the, to the importance of the message if it comes from a tainted source? If one verse says that Jesus is the created son, and the other one says he's the only begotten son, or that he's the only son, and then later on he says he was born of a, born of a woman and not born of a virgin, you know, it doesn't say he was born of a virgin. Um, did I say virgin? 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 Born of an unwed... So it's like, you know, we, we find those, we find those, those different... Things that, that distort messages, and this is why it's so important to take an earnest heed, to pay attention to what's being said. But he says, you do well to take heed. 
we need to take heed to the message of what's being said, and that is the supremacy of Christ, that he is the it's dis, he's the distinction as being the Son and not just a created being, not just another messenger that walked the face of the earth, that he is the expressed image of his glory, chapter 1 of Hebrews, that says in verse number um, verse number 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person, so this is what Christ was. He was that expressive. What, what, verse number 13 in chapter 1. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are not they all, are, are they not all minister, ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Angels are just ministers for us. They're not anything above, they're not above man and as far as God's scheme of, of love we actually trump the angels because we have eternal life. We, he, he died for us. Christ died for us. The plan of salvation is for us, not angels. So therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Don't let people think that Jesus was just another heavenly body. He is the Lord. Of, he is the Lord of creation. So don't lose that sight of who Christ is. Number two, we ought to, we ought to look at the eminence of the message. Not just as it's important to pay attention that Christ's message is so important, but the eminence of the message. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And James chapter 4, we find where James says that what is life? What is your life? It's but a vapor that appears for a little while and fadeth away, right? There's an urgency and, uh, and there's an urgency of the fleeting moments that we have called life. I mean, could you imagine my, my, wife, my wife and I, we, we spent... You know, I spent a couple months down in Florida at this health spa my wife checked me into. And um, we, we, we kind of like went down where we used to live and, you know, um, before I went to the hospital, sorry, the health spa, we drove by the house where we used to live. And I just remember, it was like, it seemed like yesterday we went, we lived in the house. It just seemed like yesterday we were there. We were driving, on the way back up, we, on the way back home, we drove through Haines City. And it just seemed like yesterday we were in Haines City. It just seemed like it was just moments ago that we that we lived at 1045 Elizabeth Ave. Just seemed like a moment ago. We're driving around streets that we haven't lived in, in almost we haven't lived we haven't been there in twenty almost well, 15, 18 years. And we knew we could find our way around and we knew everything was, and it was just like wow. It just seemed like a drop in the bucket. And we're not that old. I mean, my wife is is younger than she looks, but um no, that came out wrong. <laughs> that came out all wrong. You know, my, my wife and I, we look back and we're like, wow, we, we've gotten old. We look back, if you can sit back and say, yeah, I remember 20 years ago. Can you remember 20 years ago? Well, I remember 20 years ago this happened. No, I remember 30 years ago. That's, I can remember 30 years. I can remember 35 years, things that happened 36 years ago. Like, man, I'm getting old. But life is, it doesn't seem like I'm that old either. I mean, I look back at my life and I'm like, I'm still a kid. I feel like I'm still 24, 25. And I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, I've gotten old. What happened to this guy? But that's a fleeting moment. It, it, it doesn't matter if you're like 41 or if you're 81. You look back at your life and you're like, man, time flew by fast. You know, does anyone here like follow sports, like watch like football or history, like things like that? Nobody? Okay, soccer? The real football? Okay. So, like watching things, like, hey, remember 25 years ago? I remember like 25 years ago when Buffalo was last in the playoffs. Buffalo Bills in football, American football. And I was like, wow. I remember, I remember the game. 
And I was like, wow. I remember the last time the, the Bills went to the Super Bowl. And I was like, wow, they're making a big deal because they're back in. 1993 was the last time the Buccaneers, 2003 was the last time the Buccaneers made the playoffs. Or the last time the, the Buccaneers won a playoff game. I remember when they won the game. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. I feel old. I remember when Derek Jeter was a rookie. I remember watching Don Mattingly take his final at bat. No, that's not so bad. I remember watching Reggie Jackson's final at bat. Reggie Jackson's like an old man. He's old. And I remember watching these guys. And I'm like, wow, time goes by so fast. Looking at, looking at kids' lives. I mean, nothing ages you faster than being a parent. You look back at, okay, Abigail's 10. She'll be 11 this, coming, this year. I remember when, Ab, when, we, when we took Abigail home from the hospital. I remember trying to make sure her seat belt was her seat was just buckled in just right. And I remember having the change of clothes and going to the photo to the to the photo studio thing as soon like literally as soon as you took her from the hospital, went down to the Olin Mills and got her pictures taken. I remember that. I remember she opened up her eyes. It was like so cute, cutest little thing in the world. Now what you do? But it's like, but I was like I remember those things. I remember life speeds by so fast. But yet, there's people that live their life, and I'm going down memory lane for a second because I'm way ahead of schedule on my outline. But I'm going down memory lane real quick because, but I'm going down memory lane because I want to point that there's such fleeting moments. We don't have tomorrow. I mean, we yeah, figuratively, sure we have tomorrow. We have the 11th, but we don't have tomorrow. It's borrowed time. Our next breath is borrowed. And look at the people around us today. We went out, you guys went out soul winning today. I'd say we as a church, right? Went out soul winning today. And people wouldn't even take a trap. People called the police on you. They didn't want anything to do with God. They kind of slammed the door in your face. They treated you, they, they, they despitefully used you, right? Because they have no concept of the fleeting moments. They have no, they have no comprehension of what tomorrow holds. They don't focus on what is your life. They, they don't stop and realize that the breath is, is fading away. The vapors of their, of their life are fading away. And we, we know it because, because the Bible says that um, the night is far spent. In Romans chapter 13, right? The night is far spent. In Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20, the, 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 you know, the, summer is, the summer is past. The harvest, you know, and we're not saved. Like, we're not even close to it. We don't even get it yet. The harvest is now. Christ said, lift up your eyes. Lift up your, you know, lift your eyes into you know, the fields that are white into harvest already. And if you stop and think of the harvest, Christ, God, is, God already has a sickle raised. And it's already three quarters pressed into a swing. I mean, we know that. We know the judgment of God is coming. That was picturesque. That was like literally picturesque. You got to admit that, Aaron. That was good. But um, he's already got his, his sickle, mid, you know, three quarters swing. He's already, he's already into the flow. He's already, his judgment is coming. We know that. We have the Bible. We see it. Nothing phases me. If you got phased by this past Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it was in Washington, if you got phased by that, you haven't read your Bible. And no, the Bible doesn't say, hey, this is going to happen in the United States Capitol on Wednesday. But we know what the Bible says. It's not surprising. It's not surprising. We know this whole world is being pushed past individual statism and individual uh, um What's that word? Patriotism. And it's going to a global one world government. Are you surprised that the one that Donald Trump, all that he stood for, all that he was, was the last piece, was one of the last proponents of a individual state, of an individual country, of a sovereign, independent nation? And guys like 
Ted Cruz that's that everybody's trying to push for them to get impeached or voted out or to resign because they don't like what he stands for? Are you surprised that this is what's happening in our country? You can read your Bible and see it's a one-world government that's about to come. Well, it'll never happen in our lifetime. Really? We're going to be out of here way before that has to happen. Are you sure? I've had preachers call me this past week, text me this past week, all at arms, questioning me, asking me about the post-trib rapture. Literally, I've had five preachers this past week that were labeled me as a heretic, wrote me off, wanted nothing to do with me. Now they're asking me, hey, can you explain the post-trib rapture? Are you, are you saying we're going to be here for the whole seven years? I'm like, no. We're going to be here for the three and a half in the time of, time, you know, we're going to be spared from God's wrath. Well, this is seven years. I'm like, no, put your brain aside for a second and listen. Check your brain at the door and pay attention. And I'm trying to go from, you know, trying to help them. But they're literally shaken because they're, God blessed America, 2 Chronicles 7.14, is falling down around them. And they don't know how to apply scripture anymore because America is falling. Hey, Babylon's falling. Hey, Babylon, your crown is falling. You know, like, you've lost it. You're not paying attention to it. They've lost it completely. And they don't know how to react in, with patriotism. They don't know how to react because Donald Trump got banned from Twitter and from Facebook. I'm like, have you talked to Steven Anderson? I mean, have you? we can give you some tips how to get past YouTube shutting down your channel. I mean, seriously. And they're flipping out. They're, they're well, we're going to go to Parler. Free speech. We're going to go to Parler. And then Google shuts down Parler. Google Play and Apple shutting down Parler from their apps. You can't get it on their apps. And they're all panicking about it. Or is there a freedom of speech? It's social media. You don't need freedom of speech on social media. Go out to your bi highways and byways. Go on the streets. Go out. Go up and down the highways and hedges. That's your freedom of speech. By the way, that's what God said to do. Forget social media. If you want to have freedom of speech, go soul winning. Knock on your doors. Go tell other people about it. Hey, go share that good news. Go on the street corner. Preach it from the housetops. <clears throat> Just make sure it's your housetop you're shouting from. But um, you know, it's, but this 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 world we're living in, there's a there's such an eminence of the message that Jesus Christ is that salvation, and how can we how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If we if we don't pay attention to the gospel message and we're not faithfully giving out the gospel message at work at at, at school at at wherever it is, if we're not giving that gospel message out. What are we doing? What are we doing with this important message? It's eminence. It's, it's important. I shouldn't say it's the most eminence. I should, but it's, it sounded good. But it's, it's, it's today. It's now. It's, there's no other chance. There's no secondary. It's, it's, it's pertaining to right now. Nothing else is hindering the gospel but us giving it. That's it. But Jesus said, hey, it's wet into harvest. Now is the time. And he's looking for laborers to be sent into his harvest. I encourage you. I'm thankful for you guys going so many. I'm thankful. I don't have to wind you guys up. You guys just go. I don't have to wind you guys up for anything. I'm thankful for that. You go to some churches, man, you got to have like 17 years of preaching on so many before even somebody passes out a track. I don't have to worry about that. You guys just, I just, you guys just wind yourselves up and go. And I love it. You guys have done it before you even came here. And I'm thankful for that. But some of y'all, don't know what soul winning is, and I encourage you to find out if you don't if you don't go soul winning, if you're not actively sharing the gospel. I'm not saying share your faith. Okay, I'm look, share the gospel. Okay, that's what's tested, tried, and true. 
is sharing the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach it like it's going out of style. Preach it like it's the last 15 days of the gospel being, you know, being made available, like it's there. Aaron and I went down to this furniture store over here today to get a, to get a chair. Uh, one of those lift chairs for old people and for people like me, handicapped. And, um, and we went there, and this guy had it. I talked to him on Friday. The guy said, yeah, I've got one. I said, great. I said, I'm going to try coming by Sunday. He goes, absolutely, it's no problem to it. You wanted to put a, you wanted to put a deposit down on it. He said, no, I want to come by, you know, do the paper. Okay, okay, okay. Went down today, sold out. No more in stock. But he's got one on the floor. Now, here's the thing that's stupid about it. He did not treat our sale with urgency. This guy had one chair left on the floor. It was on sale. It was on the catalog, so we can't, we can't, we can't get rid of it. It was on the floor, but they were not, not, no, there would not be a chair like that available. That chair was not going to be available for three to six months. Why not sell that one off the floor? You can't sell it to anybody else. It's going to be three to six. No one's going to wait three to six months for a chair to come in stock. Right? I mean, there's no urgency to that guy's sales. Like, you know, well, can I buy it off the floor right now? I'll pay it right now. No, no, no. You can't sell it to me off the floor? No, no, no. It's a floor model. I know. I'll take, I'll pay full price. Just give me the thing off the floor. No, no, no. That was like, that's not, that's not sales. And I think that's, you know, well, there's enough people walking around buying a million dollar furniture. But it was like, he didn't treat my sale with urgency. And that's how sometimes soul owners are. Isn't that true? We go to a door passively with no urgency as if that person is going to die and go to hell without hearing the gospel message from our lips. There's no urgency. And that person at work, well, I'll get around to talk to him. There's no urgency. We, 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 we still think that tomorrow depends on him. Or maybe here you're here today, you're not saved. Maybe you're not saved. And you think you've got till tomorrow. You think you've got next year, next week. You don't have you don't have that. You have no urgency of your message. You have no urgency of salvation. <clears throat> Thirdly, we find the, ir the irrefutable, the irrefutability of this message. And in this chapter, you'll find where Christ is spoken about. You find three things found in this passage, and I'll go through it quickly. We'll get done ahead of time. I'll give you back some time from this morning. Number one is you find the weakness and frailty of man. In this passage, you see the weakness and frailty of man. <clears throat> it says in verse number... Verse number 6. But in one certain place testif um, testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels... Thou crownest him with glory and honor, thou didst set over the did set him over the works of thy hands, thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all subjection under him, he left nothing that is that is not put under him, but now we but now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Right? We see Christ becoming man. It says in verse number um Verse number nine, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. And bringing many sons unto glory, 
to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So it speaks about here Christ becoming the seed of Abraham and not the seed of not, not like this of angels, it says later on in the passage. But it says that, Jesus, that the man was frailty, were made a little lower than angels, and that Christ tasted death for every one of us. Man was man was made a man was made a mortal being, where angels, you know, you know, God had God was you know forever, right? No death, and there's no death in, in the nature of, in God. But we see that Christ became man, and He tasted death for every man. And you see the weakness and frailty of man that we were unable to do what Christ could do. And there's irrefutableness towards that. We cannot save ourselves. Now I know there's there's people out there who have a doctrine that says that man cannot come to God. They're totally incapable of coming to God by you know, at all. Well, the truth of the matter is we're incapable of coming to God by ourselves. Right? No man cometh into the Father except the Father, except the Father draw him. Right? So we know that a person has to be witness to you and has to hear the word of God, has to be preached the word of God in order for them, in order for them to believe and come to Christ. But the weakness and frailty of man is that, hey, man cannot and will not come to God apart from God initiating salvation. And by the way, God has led every man that came into the world. Every man has been given a measure of faith to believe. So God's will is not selective. It's universal that God wants everybody to get saved. Right? That, that refutes Calvinism, that thing right there. But you see the frailty of man, that man cannot save himself. We need a Savior. Man cannot taste death for himself and still have forgiveness. Christ had to be that one who tasted death for everyone, sinless, paying for our sins. Also, we find in this passage, we find the wonderful work of redemption, not just the frailty of man, but the wonderful work of redemption, that God, in Christ Jesus, died on the cross for our sins, and he was buried and rose again the third day. And we see that here, that he became the captain of our salvation. And, and it says in verse number, um, verse number 14, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took unto him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it, be, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So we find the wonderful work of redemption in that passage, and it's irrefutable that Christ is the Savior. It's not our good works. It's not our. It's not our upbringing. It's not our church attendance. You know. You know. You know. It's, it irritates me. You talk to some of these people. You start talking about salvation. Well, I go to church. I don't go to church as much as I should. That was not. I didn't ask you about how often you go to church. I said, if you die today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Do you know the Lord is your Savior? Well, I, I go to church. Would you like paper or plastic? Yeah, I don't like lettuce. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm asking you, paper or plastic? Uh, I don't have a hybrid. What does that got to do with paper or plastic? Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Do you know for sure the Lord is your Savior? Do you know, do you know for sure if you die today? Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Are you saved? Oh, I go to church. Answer the question, fool. What's wrong with you? And you know about someone you see it long enough. If we talk to a nurse and give me the same answer. Hey, Hey, Chuck, if you die today, do you know for sure? He was a physical therapist. Chuck, if you die today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? Well, I, uh, I obey the Ten Commandments. I'm like, dude, that's not even the same hemisphere what I was talking about. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Do you know, I, I, you know, I said, 
Chuck, I know. I can, I can already tell your answer. You don't know. Well, that's kind of judgmental. I'm like, you can't even answer the straight out question. If you knew, you'd know. Are you married? Yes. You had no question answering that question. And I was like straightforward. I answered him straightforward with it. And I was like not mincing. I was very kind, but I was like straightforward with him. And I was like, get past the not. I had 20 minutes with this guy. And between standing up, sitting down, walking, I had 20 minutes to share the gospel with this guy the best I could. And he was blocking. Oh, I'm, I, 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 I go to church. But that's not what I asked. That's not at all. And people can't get that. It's because they're so trapped on their good works. They're so trapped in what they can do or their understanding of their intellect. And it's not by basing the word of God at all. But it's a wonderful work of redemption. Lastly, we see the working of grace enduring to the end. Now, again, Calvinists like to take certain words and like to twist them out of context or over overhype them. One, one doctrine that they hinge themselves on is called perseverance of the saints. Right? where only the saints, only those who are elect will endure to the end. They, that's very craftily how they say it. It's very craftily how they put it out. It's actually P in, in, the, um, in, the, in the acronym TULIP. But in, look at verse number 18. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. We find a wonderful work of grace enduring to the end in this entire passage because he, Christ knows what it's like to face our temptation. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. Am I boring you, Raymond? Am I boring you? Talking about the wonderful grace of God? Okay, just making sure. Just helping you out because I want to make sure you know, I wasn't boring you to death. Alright, cool. So, when we started thinking about the wonderful grace of God and it endures to the end, it keeps us. He's able to keep us from falling. Go to Hebrews, uh, um, Jude, to Jude. He's able to keep us from falling. We're not going to, he keeps the sparrow from falling. He keeps our hair. He knows our numbers, are our hair. He knows everything, what we're going through. And the grace of God is that he keeps us, even when we don't keep ourselves. Aren't you glad for that? You let yourself go, God doesn't let yourself go. And it's not about us holding on to God. It's about God holding on to us. That's why it's called, He's our Savior. That's why we say, He's our Savior and not, I'm His. Right? Because at the end of the day, I contribute, there's a preacher, I forgot who it was, they said, I contribute nothing to salvation except the need for Christ to, you know, to suffer for my, in my place, or something like that. Or the sin made it necessary, or something like that. I, know, I think it was a Calvinist that said it, I don't know. I saw it on a meme, and I don't know who said it, but it was probably a Calvinist. But um, it says here, the wonderful working of grace enduring to the end. It says here in verse number, um, verse 24. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Or a woman. But, um, <laughs> oh, glory, I got it in. I was afraid I wasn't going to get it in this week. <laughs> but, does anyone not know what I'm talking about? Kids, figures. Watch C SPAN. All right, but, um, there was, there was a law, there's a legislative congressman that got up and, and, and ended his prayer to the non 
specific gender, you know, tree hugging, whatever. Amen, and a woman. That's how he ended his prayer. I was like, idiot. But anyways, that's just funny. I've seen so many things going on this week. Like ramen noodles. Raw men or raw woman noodles. It's just Marishan or it's like, you know, it's just fun stuff. Anyways, but it says here that he is able to keep you from falling. Aren't you glad that God keeps us from falling? We don't have to hold ourselves from falling. Because face it, we're all going to fall. All have sinned and come short of glory of God. We've all fallen short. We're all going to mess up. If anybody thinks, if any man thinketh he standeth, take heed lest you fall. Right? And I was so excited yesterday. I was taking off like a ball of energy. I was like, I'm, I'm going to push myself. My goal was to push myself today, I mean yesterday, so I'd be strength, I'd have strength in my legs today that I could go soul winning today. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go soul winning this afternoon. And I, the doctor's like, yeah, you won't be doing that anytime for the next couple months. So I'm like, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to go soul winning. I'm excited about it. I, 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 I wobbled my way into Walmart last night, just kind of getting stretching my legs and getting my sea legs going. I got to the front door and I'm like, uh-uh, this is not going to work. I'm, 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 I, need, I need help. And uh, I asked for a, one of those wheelchair things and they didn't have one. I was just going to get a wheelchair, like a manual one, where I just scoot myself around the, around the store, just getting my legs, getting my strength. They didn't have any. I'm like, what kind of place doesn't have wheelchairs? Whatever. So then um, this, this morning, I got out, started trying to do it this morning as well. Well, sorry, last night I went to the, to the local grocery store and I made it halfway around the store. And I fell, I fell into the coolers in the middle of the store. I kind of like bumped in, like fell over and didn't have, you know, halfway into the store. But my Abigail is with me. And I'm sitting there like, oh. And I told Abigail, I said two words. I said, too far. <laughs> I went too far. I could see myself going up halfway up a flight of stairs when Eka picks out. When he goes to winning, Eka picks out the most remote housetop staircases that have no banisters. With uneven stairs, and like, like, you're like walking up the stairs like this, and he's like, "Come on, let's go!" Like freak. <laughs> but um, I, and I couldn't even walk around the store yesterday without falling, without losing my balance and falling. And I was like, "Man, I was so upset because I wanted to go so many today. I wanted to go. I went through walk through the furniture store today, wobbling around. I had to stop what 700 times. And I was like, "Man, I wanted to go so many. And I was like, "I'm gonna try a little harder." And I got I got into the car and I got to the car and I told Aaron, I said. I'm done. I can't do it. I'm done. I wanted so bad to stretch myself and, and go, you know, to go and go so many. I'm like, I, I can't. But how many times have I, how many times that I have fallen in my life? How many times have I pushed myself, even spiritually, to where I want to do something and it's above and beyond what God has for me to do and I stumble and I fall because it's what I want and not what God wants. My timetable is so far faster than God's. And I think I'm outsmarting God, that I can outplan God. <laughs> what a fool, right? But the Bible says unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to keep me from falling. And he does that because of his wonderful, his working of grace enduring to the end. And we see that his grace is what endures to the end. It's not what you and I do. It's what God's grace does. He has been tempted in all points, and he keeps us that who are who are being tempted. But being tempted to what? To sin, to you know, look at wrong magazines or to watch bad videos or, or listen to bad preaching. No, no. What, what, is, what is it we're being tempted to do? We're being tempted to forsake, to turn away from the Lord, to, to stop being faithful, 
to not come to church, to not be faithful, to not read our Bibles, to not pray, to not live the Christian life, to not be the husbands and wives, the mothers and daughters, the sisters and fathers that we're supposed to be. That's what, that's what, that's what we're tempted to do on a daily basis. But unto him that is able to keep you from falling. See, he's, he's been through that, and he's able to protect us. We have, that more, we have that high priest in heaven that we can go to when we can find grace to help in the time of need. We have that because of the wonderful working of grace that endures the end. Aren't you glad that it's not you or I that has to work the end? By the way, this whole perseverance of the saints, it's okay, well, if you're a real Christian, you'll persevere, you won't fall away. If you're really saved, you won't fall away. Doesn't that just refute the whole idea of what they said about Calvinism to begin with? If grace is what saves me and grace is what keeps me, then why do I have to endure to the end? Doesn't grace endure to keep me to the end? Isn't it what grace does it for me? Aren't you glad that God's grace keeps us from falling? Because they face it. We mess up all the time. Man, my goal was not to be in the hospital for 54 days. My goal was to be back, like, within 10 days of being down in Florida. I didn't want to go to Florida to begin with. I told Ed that. I didn't want to go. I told, I told one of my friends, I said, I don't want to go to Florida. I didn't want to go, but I went. And look what happened. Woe to to them that go down to Florida for help. Okay? (laughs) But, um, but, um, you know, what we plan in our life, we never, we look back at your life in the past 10 years, 15 years. Are you telling me you planned that? The past three years. Are you telling me you seriously planned what you've been through in the past three years? Take it back to 2015, where we're all trying to figure out who we're going to vote for. And people are going to vote for Trump. Some people got on the Trump train, some people didn't. Oh, Trump's going to be the one that's going to help set our century free. He's going to make America great again. You planned those past, you, you, you planned out those past five years? You, you're telling me you seriously saw a 2020 in your crystal ball, in your planning. In your, every year I sit down, I put, together a, I put together a sales goal where I want to be, while mapping out the entire year of what I'm going to do for sales. I didn't see 2020 coming. I don't think anybody here did. You're telling me you planned that? The mistakes we made in our life, the, the, the blessings that came in our life that you never knew came, like where did that come from? The unexpected blessings? You didn't budget that. That's God's grace. And that's the same grace that keeps us from falling. It's irrefutable that through Christ we have victory. Through Christ we have God's blessings. Then why would we want to live in the flesh? If we get the blessings living in the Spirit, why would we want to live in the flesh? Pay the most, pay the more earnest heed. Pay attention so you don't let them slip. Let the things that we've heard, don't let them slip. I know I paraphrased chapter 2, verse 1, but that's what he's saying. Don't let these things slip. Don't forget where we came from. But it's God's grace that protects us. Anyways, that's all I got for tonight. Um, if you have any prayer requests, we're going to kind of recap real quick on prayer requests.